Uh, we're going to continue in our uh, series out of the Gospel of Luke. I mean, chapter five today. And uh, if you've got a Bible, I encourage you to find that. If you're using one of the red church Bibles, um, you can. I don't think I remember to get someone to pass those out. Um, I'll read. I'll read the passage for you today. So it's okay. It's a very short passage. So we're going to be it's, today. We're talking about will you follow? Will you follow from Luke chapter five? You know, last Sunday, uh, our friend Stephen Redekop introduced us to the to the mission and to the message of Jesus uh, from Luke four, which is to bring good news to the poor, to release the captives, to bring sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed, right? To proclaim the Lord's favor, not proclaiming even the Lord's judgment, to proclaiming the Lord's favor. We're in that season of, of God's favor. And we were asked to consider um, not only Jesus' message, but our message. What is the what is the message of my life, and what are the message of my words uh, to the people around me? And we were reminded that Jesus' mission is the church's mission. What Jesus was up to, that's what we get to be up to as a church. And today, in chapter five, we're going to meet Levi. Levi is a tax collector. I don't know how much I need to say about about tax collectors, but um, like so many others that Jesus reached to, Levi was an outsider. He was a, not an accepted, welcomed person in social circles. Levi, um, the tax collectors at that time, they were despised because they were they would have been Jewish people working among the Jewish people. But they were contractors, subcontractors for the Roman government, collecting taxes. You know, and if Caesar says, I need I need ten thousand dollars from this region. He he whatever he can pat on top of that is his to keep. So you can just imagine how unwelcomed these tax collectors were, and they had a reputation for extortion and dishonesty. And so we're going to read about Levi the tax collector in John, I mean Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 27. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm not twice as spiritual today, but I, I, I have two Bibles here because I'm going to, it's a short passage, I'm going to read it twice which I don't normally do, but I'm going to read it in two different translations, starting first in the uh, New International Version. Luke chapter 5, 27 says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law belonged who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let me read it one more time. I'll read it in New Living, which takes a little more liberty with the text. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up left everything and followed him. And later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. I don't know what, how you're feeling about the air in the room right now, but 
If the air conditioning is on on the stage here, I don't actually need that. It's a little chilly now. I feel like I'm going through the change of life. <laughs> you know? Man, one Sunday I'm just boiling up. Next time I'm freezing cold. I don't know what's going on. Somebody help me, please. Well, like me, you might be so familiar with these accounts, these these old, you know, these New Testament stories that they 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 we just, you know, we hear a phrase like tax collectors and sinners and it just it just goes past us. We don't kind of really get bothered by it. But at the time, we need to understand that the way Jesus interacted with these people was scandalous. Scandalous. Here's a good Jewish rabbi befriending a tax collector. And if you're using your outline today from your bulletin, I would say the first point is this, that we need to let ourselves be surprised at who Jesus helps or calls. We need to let ourselves be surprised at who Jesus helps or calls. I mean surprised in a good way, not surprised with disdain, but surprised, pleasantly surprised. You see, it's not that Jesus came to rebel against the religious establishment, as we sometimes think. That wasn't his purpose. He didn't come as a rebel, right? He came to bring Good news to the poor, the spiritually poor, physically poor, socially poor, those who would hear and respond to Jesus. That's who Jesus came for. Those who might not feel at ease in typical religious settings. And it just so happened that because Jesus came for those, the religious types tended to be offended and upset to the point of bringing him to crucifixion. And so, for some reason, Jesus seeks out those people we might think of as odd, unlikely, maybe a little out there, maybe even distasteful. But they often get God's grace better than you and I do. Let me say this. Terrible sinners make great saints. Back in August, we had a tree taken down in our yard. Somebody here referred somebody, and so I called him up and made arrangements. He came to the door. I will confess, it was a little bit of a shocking moment, right? Guy was, I don't know, in his 60s probably, long gray hair, big old earrings, prison tats. You know, I mean, I mean, he had the look, and, and I think I kept my, you know, I tried not to, whatever, I'm like, hey, yeah, I've uh, got this tree, and he'd take it down. He goes, yeah. So how'd you hear about me? I said, well, a guy from our church goes, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, brother, I just love Jesus. And he reached out and gave me a big old hug. You know, I'm like, wow, okay. I don't know you yet, but I have a hunch I'm going to get to know you. And I tell you, it, it wasn't the fastest kind of taking down the tree job, but man, I got to hear about how much this guy loves Jesus. He, he just started talking about Jesus and the tears just started streaming down his face. I'm like, okay. I wouldn't have picked him out of a crowd to say, yeah, prime Jesus candidate. Jesus loves to draw those people who need him. Terrible sinners make great saints. Somehow Jesus... You know, when he approached Levi, who was a sinful, traitorous tax collector, those two words that he said to him were enough. Follow me. Follow me is all he says. And it takes guts to do that, to follow. Full trust. Right? This is not the Jesus is my co-pilot bumper sticker religion. This is Jesus, you're in charge. Follow me. 
That's all he says. Not, not, not even, hey, straighten up and then come follow me. Hey, get your act together and then come. No, just follow me. I'm reminded of, of the hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, right? Who's running off to catch up with Gandalf and the dwarves. Bilbo Baggins, where are you off to in such a hurry? I'm going on an adventure, right? Something like that. The nerds among us are right now shaking their heads. No, you didn't get it right. But listen, life with Jesus could be an adventure if we'd let it be. It could be. Most of us live such a safe life with Jesus. We don't even believe it, but it could really be that. So I'm going to ask you three simple questions from these verses we read this morning. First one's this, from verses 27 and 28. Jesus left the town. He saw the tax collector named Levi sitting there. He says, follow me. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. My question is this. What will you leave behind so you can follow Jesus? What will you leave behind so you can follow Jesus? Now, the text says that Levi left everything. But I wonder what that really means, because he obviously kept his house where he hosted the party, you see in the next verses. He still had the means to invite his friends. Literally, the the Greek says it was a great feast. It was a large party. So that takes money. Um, So what did he leave behind? For sure, uh, Levi left his tax collecting booth. His business. And it seems a bit crazy For someone to have to leave their job just to be a follower of Christ Jesus. But it's not that he abandoned work. See, Levi left the booth and everything that it represented. Because it it represented his sinfulness and his self-sufficiency. And his, his attitude of, I can save myself, thank you very much. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm a pretty good person. I think I got this. Thank you very much. That's what that represented. It's not a command to be unemployed, right? Levi was in an occupation that was known for dishonesty. So for him to have integrity as a Christ follower, he was he was going to have to leave it. It would have conflicted with being a disciple. I mean, for him to, you know, it was his business that was a conflict. But for you and me, it might be something else. I mean, if Jesus is calling and if you're listening you probably already know what it is you need to leave behind. So, um, Chad, could you help me with something here for a moment? We're just going to move this table, and then I'm going to need a volunteer, someone besides Chad. Let's bring this up to the front of the stage if we can. Can I get a volunteer? Boy, it's, it's getting harder and harder to get volunteers here. No donuts. Seriously. All right. You ready for this? It's going to take a little muscle. Alice, come on up. It's Alice, isn't it? Yeah. All right, Alice, I'm going to send you on a hike. You're going to go on a walk. You're going to go on a trip. You're going to go up to the mountains. Okay. You're going to go on a little day, day walk. Something fun. Right. You're going to go walk through the mountains. You're going to see some streams. It's going to be a really nice day. And to do that, you're going to need to take a backpack with you. Okay, because you're going to take some supplies. So I would like you to pick up both these backpacks and tell me which one you think would be better to take with you on your hike. Pick them both up at the same time? Or? Well, one at a time, both at the same time, doesn't matter. 
Okay, what about this one? Which one would you choose? Whatever one will keep my back straight. Okay, which one would that be? Probably that one. That one? Because what happened? How heavy is this one? Not, Not very. very. <laughs> what, what, what we think was happening? This one. I think there's probably bricks in there. Oh, really? <laughs> well, let's see. Because, you know, if you took a heavy backpack, it might make you stronger. Like, really prove how tough you are. No? Should we just see what's I'm in here? Tough. You're pretty tough. Should we just see what's in here? All right. I can carry that on my back, too. Yeah, you probably could. Well, first of all, there's some nice, refreshing water. Okay. That doesn't look very tasty. You'll need that when you hike. And some high-fiber snacks. These are pieces of wood. Okay. Because fiber is good. Let's see what's inside. All right. Now, these are the things you're going to carry with you. Right? If you're, if you're following. You're, you know, and I didn't tell you this. Jesus is, you're following Jesus on this hike. I forgot to mention that part. Well, let's see. What's Alice carrying? What's Alice going to carry? Oh, do you think you want to carry that? That's unforgiveness. And they really are bricks. <laughs> what happens when we carry unforgiveness? You can, you can be seated. I, I'll go through the rest of this. Yeah. Unforgiveness has tied in with the things like anger, bitterness, Right? Can't, nobody else can get anything right. I just have to do it myself. Lots of anger tied in with unforgiveness. Huh. What else do we sometimes want to carry if we're... Maybe Jesus calls us, but what am I going to have to leave behind? What about this one? Grumbling. Oh, that's not good. I didn't like that. I, I, Roy, I really appreciated the way you played that song on the drums today. Nothing ever can step. And I thought, I love it when Roy plays the drums. So that's what I thought. Um, I'm not grumbling about that. It's my point, right? When we grumble, it's a heavy load. It weighs us down. It slows us up. And it makes us really unattractive as a person. People don't like being around grumblers. If you, if you think you are one, Deal with that. Leave it behind with Jesus. If you don't, if you're not sure if you are, ask somebody. If you think everybody else is, but you're not, you're it. Um, here's another one. Entitlement. Ooh. Entitlement says, hey, it's my turn. I should have my way. I should get this. You know, I've, I've been at this church for long years. It's my turn to be the moderator, Joel. Right? That's entitlement. It's nothing to do with grace. It has nothing to do with qualifications. It's nothing to do with, with discipleship. It has all to do with me. Entitlement says, I deserve it. The church needs to carry me or do something for me. And if I'm following Jesus and I'm dragging entitlement in my backpack, it's going to slow me down. It's going to give me a bad back. Here's another one. Arrogance. Arrogance. That's just pride. This is pride. It just says, I know better. I can do it myself. Nobody can tell me what to do. And whether you're following Jesus, whether it's part of the church or whether it's just in your daily life, when you start carrying around things like unforgiveness and grumbling and entitlement and arrogance, boy, it just does not make you a very attractive person to be around. I've got more, but let's talk about the good things that we could actually carry in the wonderful backpack that has nice, clean water to drink, right? Some good cashy bar snacks. 
I mean, I really would rather hike with this pack than that pack. I'm not kidding. What about this? Forgiveness. You know, that is so easy to carry. You know that just if you will carry forgiveness in your life, it just lightens your load. You don't need to keep carrying that grudge. And whatever it was, I mean, I, I know this can be really tough. If there's some really hurtful things in your past and you're wanting to say, Brian, you don't understand what I've been through. I can't forgive. No, you won't forgive. Jesus took everything on himself so that you could forgive and be forgiven. Jesus says, if you won't forgive, you won't be forgiven. So whatever it is, you're holding something against somebody else, some, some uh, bitterness, you've got to let it go. It's too heavy. Forgiveness is so light. How about this? Instead of, you know, instead of uh, some of those other things, you could, you could carry gratitude. Gratitude would be good. These, these are so lightweight, they don't even want to stand up. You know that? So, you know, instead of, you know, grumbling, you can carry gratitude. Just to be thankful. I mean, that's just such an easy resolve to so many problems in your life. Nothing's going right. Okay, just stop and find something to be thankful for. Right? I'm thankful that the lights turned on today. I, I'm, I'm thankful that the grass is growing so slowly I don't have to mow it every week. Whatever it is, find something to be thankful for. It makes you a more attractive person and it sure lightens your load. How about this one? Instead of entitlement, how about service? Learn to serve people. Learn to say, hey, let me take care of that for you. Let me do that for you. And that happens a lot in this church. And instead of saying, well, hey, somebody needs to take care of my stuff or my thing or provide for me, you just step out and serve. You'll be amazing what happens. How about instead of arrogance, some humility, just to say it's okay. The Bible says that we should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because we love Jesus, we just sang about, because I love Jesus, I'm going to submit. I may not mean I get it to do it my way. It means I might not get it my preference, but I'm going to submit because I'm going to trust that others um, are okay too. And I'm going to let someone else lead or take charge in this situation. What else did we get there? Uh, arrogance, entitlement. How about this one? Selfishness. That's a heavy brick to carry around. How about this one? Oh, this one's really bad. Fear. Boy, fear is just fear drives out love. And if you feel like you're having a hard time loving somebody or having a hard time loving God, there's fear in your life. And that fear is weighing you down and holding you back. I'm really hoping this doesn't tip this table over. But what's another one? This just sin. Just plain old sin. Stuff you're hanging on to and you just refuse to deal with it. You won't tell anybody. You won't get any help. You won't, you won't say, Jesus, I know you have given me in place of my sin. You've given me something called freedom. Look at that. Freedom. It's just light. It's easy to carry. God says, look, I want to set you free. I don't want you to live carrying those big heavy bricks around all the time. You know, in place of, of some of those other things, you... You know, um, how about in place of, of uh, did I do entitlement? Gen- generosity. Just to be a generous person. Just to be quick to give. Man, if you have an opportunity to be generous, do it. If you've got the means. And some of you say, well, if, if I made more money, I would be generous. But you don't understand, Brian. I, I, you know, I just don't have enough to be generous. Look, if you're not generous with a little, you won't be generous with much. I guarantee it. If you don't learn to be generous when you've got hardly nothing, it won't matter how much you have. Let yourself learn to be generous and let God take care of you. Let God bless it. You'll be amazed what happens. Instead of fear, how about things like love and trust? You know, love drives out fear. Trust says, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to believe that God is enough for me today. I'm going to believe that His grace is enough for me. I, I'm going to trust that, 
that people aren't actually out to make my life miserable. I'm going to love others so I don't have to make others miserable. Right? There they go. They just, they're just better to carry. Better to carry. So my question is, what do you need to leave behind? These are actions of rebellion against God because it's refusing to trust that Jesus has taken these for you. Right? These are attitudes of discipleship that say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. My question is, what do you need to leave behind? What's in your backpack? Some of us act like, I got this. It's not that heavy. I can do it. We can actually see your shoulders slump. We can see your pace slowing down. You're falling farther and farther behind Jesus. And you know what? The farther behind you get, the less fun it is to follow him. You can't hear what he's saying. You miss his subtle cues. You miss the joy of worshiping him. You get further and further behind. I got this. I got this. And he says, follow me. Just drop it. Just drop the heavy stuff. Get life refreshing water from me. Let me feed you. Instead of depending on yourself. Questions, do you travel heavy or do you travel light? Do you travel heavy or do you travel light? No? It's alright. That's your next blank in the form. A little technical problems up there. What do you hang on to that might keep you? And can you let it go? Can you believe that Jesus says, oh, let me take that. Jesus said elsewhere, he says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. So whatever is in there. And there's other things you could add to that. That's just a sampling. Let it go. Just let it go. I want to ask a couple more questions. Verses 29 and 30. It says, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honors, and many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests ate with him as well. The Pharisees and their teachers of religious law and scribes complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with sinners? My question is this. What's my influence? What is my influence? When Jesus called Peter... He said to Peter, I'll make you a fisher of people. When he called Levi, he didn't need to say that because Levi's net was already full. Levi showed up with a full net of lost people, of sinners, people who needed to encounter grace. And they loved to meet Jesus. So he used his influence to invite others to meet him. And I think when we really truly encounter God's grace, we're going to want others to have it too. And I have to ask, who do I influence? Who's, who, you know, is there anyone because of me discovering life-giving grace? Because of me. I mean, just imagine those, let's call them so-called sinners. They were sinners at Levi's party. Right? All their life, they've had these religious folks look down their noses at them in, in you know, righteous condemnation. And now, the most fantastic rabbi ever is hanging out with them and rejecting the Pharisees. Sweet justice. How is this happening? It's amazing. It's an upset. And maybe you feel Jesus shouldn't have spent so much time with sinners. Right? Maybe 
Maybe that kind of bothers you. Or, or maybe you really don't think Jesus would want to be around you because you still cuss and drink and gamble and you're not exactly Miss or Mr. Purity. Guess what? Jesus loves you. He does. And he wants to meet you. And even with the junk that you're carrying around, even if you've trusted Christ and you're following him and you're still carrying some of those, Jesus wants to meet you and take that bag off your back. Because he's forgiven you and he's made you righteous. So he's in the business now of leading you to holiness, leading you to following him. But you've got to follow. And I believe even the disciples may have been surprised at Levi's response to follow. I, I would try something about this. If you're a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus, I want you to think for a moment of the, of the person in your life you consider the least likely to ever follow Jesus. Right? Might be somebody at work, might be a family member, neighbor. Somebody you know and have a conversation with occasionally. Think about the person least likely in your world to follow you. Got that person in mind? Now, imagine that they responded to the call like Levi did to follow. Now, what would that look like? How would you feel about that? Would it tick you off? Would it kind of bug you? If that's the case, you might be a Pharisee. Because the Pharisees hated it that people were getting healed, set free, delivered, saved, encountering Jesus. That bothered them to the nth degree. But if you think about that unlikely person in your life, and you think about them following Jesus, leaving everything behind and becoming a, a full follower of Jesus, and that excites you, I think you're a follower of Jesus. I think you're excited about the things that Jesus would be excited about. I don't want us as believers to get upset when good things are happening. You know, I've actually had people complain about, for example, the Fresno Rescue Mission, where people are getting, you know, homeless people are getting shelter, addicts are getting, finding freedom and recovery. I don't, I don't want to be those people who are like, ah, it's a ridiculous waste of resources. No. They're doing what Jesus would have them do. Would have us do. Church. There's things ahead of us that are going to blow us away if we'll, be, if we'll just listen and follow. If we'll just listen and follow. 20, 30 years ago, some of you had visions and dreams of what could happen here on this campus. You, you saw... You saw Bigger places to worship. You saw facilities for care for seniors. For people in aging years. Did you know that in the next 25 years in the U.S., the population of people over 65 is projected to go from 47 million to 82 million? Are there going to be believers who are going to step up and take care of that? Did you know that right here in North Fresno, there's people who sleep in Woodward Park every night because they don't have a home? We've even wandered into our church on occasion. We didn't know what to do. I wonder what's the call that God's going to lead us into as a church. If we'll just, if we'll just let him. If we'll just listen and follow. Jesus chooses outsiders so he can bring them good news. And Jesus, in fact, makes his purpose really clear. Verses 31 and 32. He says, Jesus answered, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. 
and need to repent. I've come to call sinners to repentance. Do you have a purpose in your life? Do you know why you're here? Do you have a purpose? Years ago, I wrote this down. I said, our family's purpose is to influence individuals, families, and institutions toward the cross. Jesus put it really simply. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came to call sinners to repent. And there's been a bit of a trend in the church in the last couple of decades to say, well, hey, we've got to welcome everyone. We're going to be really inclusive, you know, and, and sinners need to feel welcome here. And of course, that's true. I don't care what someone's carrying when they walk in here. I want them to be welcomed and loved from the moment they hit that front door. But we sometimes miss that Jesus didn't simply hang out with sinners. He was hanging out with sinners because he was calling them out of their sin. He was inviting them to repentance and to follow him. He went to them so they would follow. He didn't just sit back and say, hey, well, when, when you guys are ready, you can find me. Right? He wanted to call them to repentance. And I'm saddened when churches choose to accommodate sin instead of proclaiming freedom from sin. The person who remains unrepentant, willingly or unwillingly, knowingly or unknowingly, they've made a choice to reject Jesus. Just as the self-righteous person is also unrepentant in self-righteousness, having rejected God's grace. Do you know your purpose in life? What's your purpose? And if you follow Jesus, your purpose is the same as his. To call sinners to repent and follow him. It's been said at times that the church is meant to be a hospital. You know, a place to heal all the wounded. And can you imagine if you visited a hospital with only healthy people? I mean, just imagine that. Right? All the patients do is they, they, they get together and they, they talk about medicine. And how, and how good medicine is for sick people. And they sing songs about the medicine. Sometimes they hold hands. Right? They have medicine study groups. To really go in depth about the medicine. And, they, and sometimes they talk about and they, they might even pray for a sick people who, who, who really need that medicine. And when they get healthy, they can come and get some. Right? And the doctor makes his rounds and, or her rounds and, and talks about how helpful that medicine is. But never writes a prescription because everyone's fine. Would that be a little absurd? I'll tell you, the insurance companies would freak. <laughs> Nothing would be covered. All right. Can I tell you a secret? The people sitting around you right now, maybe the person right in front of you, behind you, beside you, they're not as perfectly healthy as they appear. Most of us, I think, even would be willing to admit that. Some of us still wear masks. Because we fear rejection or we fear humiliation. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have not yet understood the gospel of grace. And you're just trying harder to, to, to be a good Christian and to really please God. And you need to understand that doesn't work. Because your, your religion is just as useless and just as ugly as another person's reckless sinfulness. It's not yourself that saves you. It's only the grace of God expressed in Jesus Christ who died for you in your place. Maybe you assume that grace is just for the healthy looking righteous types, right? So you pretend you're fine and then you try harder to be more righteous. And then 
whatever it is you carry in your backpack, you pretend it's not really that heavy because you just can't admit your helplessness. And Jesus wasn't saying the Pharisees were righteous when he said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call those who need healing. He, he wasn't saying, hey, they're fine. They're righteous. He was just saying that they're acting as though they're righteous and their rights, their self-righteousness prevented them from receiving the grace of God. I need Jesus. And whether you admit it or not, you do too. And my purpose in life is to not only join Jesus in his work, but I'm, I'm one of those who needs the doctor to fix me up. Three questions. What's your purpose? Where's your influence? And what do you need to leave behind? And there's something automatic happens. When you leave behind the one, it's like you automatically pick up the other. Josh, I'm going to invite you and the worship team to come. and got one closing song for us. And I invite you to just use this time to reflect, to pray, invite the Lord to speak to you. You might be like, I'm just fine. This is ridiculous. I'm telling you, God has more for you. Maybe you've just settled for the, the ordinary. You've just settled for the tradition. You've just settled for this is how I've always done it. It's good enough. I'm telling you, it's not. There's more. There's an adventure Jesus has for us. And, and, and I confess, I, I feel like I'm... I'm kind of just looking in the glass and saying, okay, I know it's in there. Jesus, I want to follow you and have you lead me in that. There's still pressures at the back. Maybe one of these things is just weighing you down and you feel like, I don't know how to get rid of my anger. I don't know how to release that bitterness. I don't know how to dump the arrogance or the unforgiveness. Can you go pray with somebody? Can you get some help with that? Maybe as we're just singing and praying, you just want just get, to just get before Jesus in that moment. Say, Jesus, would you take it? I now choose to forgive so-and-so. I just release the debt that I've held against them. I just trust you with that. You've got to start somewhere. If you even want to come and pray in the front, you can do that here in the steps. But I want us to I'm just inviting us to say, let's follow Jesus. Let's, let's get in His posse and get in behind Him and take the adventure. Let's stand together as we close. Lord God, I know that there's some of us that would just, just love to go back in time and just, and just be there when you're, Jesus is just walking and, and inviting. But... God, your Holy Spirit is here. It's even better. It's even better. Holy Spirit, you're here right now with each person. You're here with us at every moment through our day and through our week. You're with us when we're in the car, when we're at home, when we're at work, when we're at school. You're there. You're present with us. So right now, I would invite you, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit to speak or to reveal to us those heavy things that we've been dragging along as we try to follow you. 
just to release it, to let it go. To instead become a person of joyful grace. A person of gratitude, a person of humility. A person who can trust and who can love. God, would you do that? Would you speak to, to my heart? Show me, Lord, where, what I'm hanging on to. It's bitterness. Maybe it's sin, Lord, whatever it is. God, would you give us the courage to admit it and bring it to you and turn from it? Church, eyes are, bowed right, eyes are closed right now and heads are bowed. And I, if you're a person who's never given your life to Jesus or maybe you've just drifted far, far away and you're saying, I, I want to give my life to Jesus full on. I'm going to ask you to do something a little different, just to raise your hand and look at me and we'll get a chance to pray together. You can pray with someone in the prayer group later. Anybody like that? You say, yeah, I want to do this. I want to follow Jesus. Well, for the rest of us then, you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a follower. My challenge is what's in that pack and can you let it go? Jesus, would you help us with that?